coming up on this week's episode, we're talking through what happened last night between Tottenham and Chelsea. Let's look at the bottom teams in the league and also Newcastle. Liam has this week's quiz. There's more wonders of why and a who am I, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of You From The Sunland Podcast. It's Chris here. Liam's here. Hello, Liam. Hello, Chris. How you doing, mate? Just about recovered. Just about yes. recovered. It was a bit breathless, wasn't it? Uh, wow. I mean, <laughs> probably not going to see a game like it for a long time, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> no. It literally yeah. had everything. It's one of those games where people say it had everything and they would very, actually be accurate. Very stressful to watch. Um from my point of view. Um, Imagine how it I mean, felt to be a Spurs fan. Yeah, and it could have gone a lot different, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, do, do you want to quickly talk about Villa? What, what happened? Um, not not particularly. It wasn't our finest hour, but I'm not I'm not going to panic just yet. It was one of those days where it uh, just wouldn't go in for us. We didn't we didn't really create that much. But credit to Forrest, actually. Um, I thought they played really well, defended there well. Is, there is a, uh, in Wonders of White later, there is a Forrest um, one in there. So, uh, Is it that we never seem to win at the City Ground? But it's, not, it's, it's, not, not, it's not directly aimed at Aston Villa. Okay. Though, so yeah, we never, we never seem to do well. They seem to be a <laughs> bit of a bogey team for us. Well, they, they beat us at home this season, so I don't so yeah, well, let's let's talk about the game last night, uh, Tottenham versus Chelsea. Um, where to start would be my first thing. So I think what's probably best is if we uh, split it up um, and in sort of a timeline fashion yep. uh, about what happened. So um, I think we both agree that Chelsea started rather slowly yes. and poorly and they didn't look organised and... The positioning, it seemed really off from my point of view. And I would say that Tottenham rightly took the lead, um, albeit through a deflection. Um, yep. they just, they were, they were pressing a lot more than Chelsea. Um, and they punished them. Um, for me, it's a, Colwell was a good defender, but he's not a left back for me. No. Um, there were numerous occasions in that first 15 minutes where, Kulazewski was was literally just toying with him. Um, he gets the shot away, takes such and goes in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Then we have the first uh, VAR decision, uh, which is Son's uh, disallowed goal. Yes, close, wasn't it? Very close. And and to be fair, I, I was sat by the TV. I just just give it to him because I thought the way we were playing, I thought it, we might as well just stop now because it was just. Really, really. It was a good, really it, was, it was a good goal as well, wasn't it? It, it was really, it, it was, was well worked. Yeah. It made it look better than what it was, I think, because the way we were defending, um, we were just too high, uh, which is ironic, really. Um, yeah. Come on to and, that in a bit. Uh, yeah, and it was a good, it was a good finish from Sun, and yeah, luckily, luckily it was disallowed. I mean, it was close. Um, but VAR helping us out slightly there. Uh, 
uh, was the the two footed tackle. Yes. Now, I, I, I think there's a, a mix on this one about what people actually think of um, one of the tackle and two of the decision. Now it went to VAR and their decision was uh, not a red. Now I I kind of agree with what Gary Neville said that. What's it got to take for, Ster- for for him to be sent off? Is it for him to actually break the leg of Sterling? Um, so I, I I thought it was a red. I personally thought it was a red card, and I think Sterling did well to actually, you know, get out of you know yeah. of the tackle himself. So I, I kind of agree with Gary Neville, you know. If, for him to have been sent off, are they saying that he would have actually had to make full-on contact? Yeah. And because I thought the rule was if it was d- dangerous, e- either way, you know, th- that tackle is, is going to be a rather painful one for Sterling. E- either yeah. way. So, um, I don't know about what you thought of it, whether you thought he should have been sent off. Um, I think it was one of those that if he'd have been given a red card... Um, by the referee straight away, they wouldn't have overturned it. Um, for me, looking at, again, the rules, like you say, did it endanger an opponent? Well, yes. For, from my opinion, yes. He dives in. It's out of control. There's two feet. And I think, again, I can't believe we're agreeing with Gary Neville here, but it's been, <laughs> it's been, in, it's been in the laws of the game now for... 20 years, you can't do a two-footed tackle. He's um, off the ground. Yeah, the exactly. Ground. And I, I don't... I think the only thing that potentially saved him is that how he sort of landed... He, he wasn't flying at full force. There was... Like, he, he tackled with two straight legs, yes, but he didn't jump in to the tackle... And that was what let Sterling sort of avoid him a little bit. But for me, you know, if if that were Villa playing instead of Chelsea, I would 100% be wanting the opposition sent off in a tackle like that. So I, I did think it was a red card as well. And I, like I say, I think if um, Michael Oliver had sent him off straight away, I don't think VAR is overturning that the other way. So, yeah, for me, it is, it is a straight red. OK, uh... Next one is a double VAR. Uh, the first one is Sterling's goal, uh, which I think we, we can both agree that it was a clear handball, so yeah. uh, it was never going to be given. But before that, uh, they then switched their attention to a coming together, shall we say, between Colwell yes. and Romero, where... Um, I'm not, I can't remember what happened, but Romero is on the floor and he has kicked out at Colwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I was, I'm in an R and about because it's it, a it weak, wasn't, it's a it weak was a kick. weak, it was very yeah. weak, wasn't it? It wasn't, I wouldn't say he's not done it to endanger, you know, it's, it wasn't malicious in a way, was it? it I think it no. was more of a kick. Just to let you know that I'm here. Yeah, and, uh, it was a tap know, on, tap on the way yeah. through, wasn't it? Um, but my thought is, after he's done that, would he not think 
twice about maybe doing something a bit more silly uh, later on in the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which you would comes have. Yeah. To the next double VAR decision. <laughs> and this is still after, what, 30, 30 minutes? Yeah. Um, uh, Kaiseido's fit, I mean, it was a, a really good finish from him. Um, yeah, lovely goal. Probably not going to score a better goal than that this season, uh, but unfortunately, um, the linesman actually called it offside. So he, he was, he's done well, the linesman actually to see it. Yeah. Um, but it does look like that obviously Jackson is, I guess, blocking the vision of the goalkeeper. Uh, Again, and he's, no, and he's not, not, not much in it though. Was, no, I mean, he was, heel, maybe. yeah, like it was sort of the bottom portion of his Bearing leg. Bear in mind, these, the, the offside goals, so the Sun one and the Caicedo one, both took about four, three, four minutes, didn't they, each, yeah. to get to the conclusion. Even with lines, I think mm-hmm. it was quite unclear at first for them. But whilst that's all going on, I hear Gary Neville uh, piping up saying they need to look back at a potential penalty, which I actually didn't see. Um, no, not on the first straight. viewing. No, definitely not. But then when you went, so they obviously, um, goal wasn't given off, um, as offside. Then he goes back to the foul. Now, bearing in mind that Romero had just kicked out, I think, five minutes before at a, a player. Um, he wins the ball, but to me, this is uh, this is again, this is this is probably in the dangerous category um, for a tackle. Um, he gets the ball, but his leg is high. High, um, straight, and lands on the ankle. And to me, that was malicious. And uh, and to me, there was intent in that one. Yeah. Which is weird, because they both <laughs> play for the same country. Um, so, obviously, they uh, go to VAR. Um, it's a penalty. It takes a long time to make that decision, but yeah. But again... It, it's, it takes a while to get to the decision of, obviously, I guess they're trying to figure out whether he should be sent off. And I think as soon as he goes to the, the TV screen, I think we all know what's coming. Um, uh, it was a straight, it, for me, it was a straight red. Mm-hmm. Um, players have been sent off for doing exactly this. I think Curtis James got sent off, didn't he, for a similar tackle. Um and obviously Chelsea get the penalty and they sent Romero off. Now, what they did say after the game is if Jackson wasn't offside, the goal would have been given. But would they have gone back, do you think, for the tackle? Obviously, they, could, they can't give the penalty yeah. because they've given the goal. But would they have still looked at it and said, well, yeah, that's, you know, he's over the, he's, he's won the ball, but he's gone right through. You know, Enzo Fernandez. So it would be interesting to know what they would have done in that situation because he's still, in a way, it's still a very bad tackle. Anyway, you look mm. at it. So, or they... I, I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute. Would they have gone back to? I'm surprised people haven't spoken about it a bit more. Maybe they have, and I've just missed it. A very blatant Raheem Sterling dive. Yeah, because he's, that he's was what they—that was what they were originally appealing for—was Sterling being 
fouled literally five seconds before the other tackle went in. Yeah. And there's clearly no contact. So I'm surprised. I, I don't know. I don't know what you'd do in that situation. Literally within 10 seconds, yeah. Sterling had dived. Romero had stamped on Fernandez, and then Caicedo put the ball in the back of the net. I don't know what you do to clear all that up. I think they just about. I think they just about got it right um, for that incident last night. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, so there's, there's more. They score the goal. Um, score the penalty. Um, makes it one-one. Um, trying to think of the next one. There was a review for Reese James, wasn't there? Um, for a, a, a flaying arm. Yeah. Um, Which was, it was uh, quite was, soft. Yeah, yeah, it was quite soft, I think. And we also had a Colwell um, anger issue where it felt like he was trying to do his best to get himself sent off. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I really don't know what the <laughs> why he got involved in all that. Um, half time. Thank God. Yeah. We made it, we made it as a half time. Um, rightly so, he takes him off, takes Colwell off. Um, bearing in mind in the first half, Tottenham have used three of, three subs and two occasion. Yeah, two, two opportunities. So yeah. If you're Ange, you say to a doggy, don't, Whatever you do, if Sterling if Sterling comes at you and he goes he goes to the right, just leave him. Let, Don't let dive him. In. Do not, or under any circumstances, tackle him or dive in. Uh, Fifty-two minutes gone. Yeah. Uh, he does exactly that, and uh, um, rightly so. Gets the second yellow. Um, to be fair, he should have already been off anyway. So. Um, but at that point, they're probably thinking now, what, what do we do? What, what do we do? And do you know what they do? They, they set up camp set, on the halfway line. That's halfway. what they do. Yeah. And then I watched 20 minutes of, of Chelsea players getting caught offside. Yeah. Every, every, every two, three minutes, someone's getting caught offside. Um, uh, but it was, I think it was inevitable from then, really, wasn't it? That, it was just chance after chance. I mean, again, I was watching this last night as a neutral, and I was I was thinking, genuinely thinking, if if Kukurea, who came on at half time, had any kind of sense about how to be a striker, he could have probably had about four or five goals because I was watching him consistently for about fifteen twenty minutes, just running at full pelt from. <laughs> probably about 20 yards inside his own half and just full-on sprint to the halfway line and then getting really frustrated that no one's passing him the ball. But it's because he's gone way too early and he's obviously miles offside. Even saying that, he'd had a one-on-one, and he wasn't the only person, by the way, to have a one-on-one with Vicario. Um, He could have easily scored. I mean, in fact, I think it was actually two-on-one and he... He just refused to pass to whoever was with him. I can't remember. Jackson had some as well. It was just constant. Vicario was spent most of his time yeah, about 30, 40 yards outside of yeah. his own goal. Every time there was a ball over the top, 
he was he, he was so far out of his own goal. He he was essentially not even playing sweeper. He yeah. was playing in centre midfield. It was one of the most bizarre, I'd say, thirty forty minutes of football that I've ever seen. I've never known a tactic of anyone go down to nine men and think, right. We need high pressure football. It, did, it worked in a it sense worked, that yeah, to a certain extent, it, I suppose it, it did. It had but to. <sighs> I think from, from a Chelsea point of view, it was trying to work out what they needed to do to to get in, and the right thing was a slow build up and wait for someone to just run through midfield like they did with Sterling when they got the second goal. Um. That was what they needed to do, not pumples over and just expect yeah. people to run on. That was that wasn't gonna work. And I guess from a Tottenham point of view, that was what they were trying to do. And it worked for twenty minutes. But yeah. I think once Chelsea got that second goal, they kind of figured out the way to, to do it. Yeah. Um, for, formation Formation just went out the window, didn't it? Formation was literally it, I, this is not an exaggeration for anyone that didn't watch it. The whole Spurs team were on the halfway line. Like, not even like a back four. A line of eight players, wasn't it? Or seven players with Sun just kind of like drifting up a bit further. But you, you, you had about five up front at one point because obviously the two wing backs just went, well, I'm not going to be. We took Enzo off and bought Mudrick on. We we were playing with four up front, basically. Yeah. Uh, But, um, bearing in mind, when it went 2-1, about two minutes later, Tottenham did score. Yes. Eric Dyer scored the best goal he's probably ever going to score uh, in a Tottenham <laughs> yeah. shirt. Um, only he just, only he's just offside. offside. I mean, uh, at that point, I almost... I was just like thinking, what, why have we done this? Like, a stupid free kick to give away. Um, yeah. Five goals was, ruled out for offside last yeah, night. But then, you know, we got the third deep into sort of Stoppage time, and then you know we we got another one as well. Um, Jackson ended up getting probably the easiest hat trick. You're probably having a score. He, he could have had a double hat trick. Yeah, really. I mean, he, he, he so could have, many chances. If we would have converted some of the chances and managed to stay on side for some of these as well, it, it could have been seven or eight really. Um, but saying that, I thought the, their goalkeeper, he, he, although Jackson got man of the match, I think. Their goalkeeper, I yeah, think, made some great even saves. though he conceded, you know, four, I still don't think that, you know, there was not a lot he could really do. No. Um, and Son almost scored as well. Yeah. When he was, he, he kind of almost got through, and uh, it was a good save from Sanchez, to be fair. But my word, what a, what a roller coaster of a game that was. Um, I think we both agree that we've never seen anything like that before. No, I just, it's just I, unbelievable. And I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to see it again. I just, I mean, it was brave, but to get two men sent off and then think oh, I'm just going to park the team on the halfway line and just try and catch everybody offside. It, I mean, I'm I'm now getting more used to watching it. So Villa play a really high line, um, not to the greatest effect this weekend, but. Um, it's worked for us really well. We do catch a lot of people offside, um, so it can work. But when you've when you've only got nine players, I just I think, think I oh, just, yeah, I think the, the, like they just lost their heads last night. I don't know what it is about Tottenham, but 
this isn't the first time we've played them and this has happened. Um, I think two seasons ago we played there and Son got himself sent off for kicking out a player. And we ended up winning that one as well. So it was a, it was a feisty game. But yeah, I mean, there was, of course, the famous game where they had to beat you to stay in the title race when Leicester won the league at Stamford Bridge. We were never going to let that happen. They no, well, no. Up. Two nil up as well, they went. Yeah, but they they lost their heads that night, didn't they? And it cost them the game. They, um, ki- they literally started kicking <laughs> the players. Yeah. But eight or nine yellow cards, I think, in the end. Yeah. So um, it's yeah, obviously no love lost between the two sides. But uh, really, really, last night it, it worked so badly against them because they were so dominant for the first ten to fifteen minutes that it almost needed something like the two footed tackle. I think in particular to wake Chelsea up because you did look asleep. Like, Colwell, like you say, he's not a left-back, but he was playing so narrow, he was just letting Kulisewski run at him every single time. And I just think the team were fast asleep. It needed that tackle from the doggy that didn't get a red card in the end. Um, But that seemed to wake you up. And I think it was their own fault, really, last night. They shouldn't have done that if they'd have just kept... I think without the sending offs last night, I don't think we would have had a chance last night. I just the way that we started that game. Yeah. I think if Tottenham, if the Sun goal is if he's on side and gets given, it's a completely different game. We would never would have got back. Yeah. Never would have got back from yeah. two 0 So. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, they were. It was to their own downfall, uh, unfortunately. But for you know, from a Chelsea fan's point of view. One, it's a win, which <laughs> I ain't seen a lot of them recently. No, and Two, four goals. It's against Tottenham, and three, we actually scored four goals in one game. Yeah, um, but we've got Man City on on Sunday, <laughs> so uh, let's easy. see how how long this optimistic side of me actually uh, stays because I I think it will be a very very different game on Sunday. I think. Even even though I think we would have lost last night, I think we would have pressed more. I think on Sunday, I think you're going to see a, a defensive side to us. And I think you'll be going for the draw. You're not going to park on the halfway line? No? Definitely not, no. no. <laughs> it doesn't appeal to you? I, I, don't, I can't see Thiago Silva catching Erling Haaland no. um, the ball through um, from the halfway line. No, but but then again, I, I couldn't <coughs> see Eric Dyer catching Raheem Sterling either, but he still tried it. So, yeah. It was a mad, mad game, to be honest with you. So, oh, yeah. Um, anyway, um, let's talk about, I think, the teams that have been promoted uh, last season, because we haven't really talked much about them uh, since... The new season of the podcast. Um, all three struggling, I think it's fair to say. Um, especially yeah. two of them. Um, so, let's start with... Well, let's start right at the bottom. And Sheffield United, albeit they got their first win um, yeah. on Saturday against Wolves. Um that, was, most that of, was a bit of a dodgy penalty, I've got to say, but yeah, they they won't mind too much. Conceded the most uh, this season, 30 goals in 11 games. 
um, which when you work out is, is literally over over two goals a game. Yep. Um, really, really struggling. Didn't really bring too many in over the summer, did they? And anyone that they did bring in, I wouldn't say were, should we say, first team players last season. Um, they seem to have spent the big money on a striker from Villa. Yep. And that hasn't really worked, if I'm honest. And they already now, well, are they on four points? Yeah. Probably in big, big trouble already. I mean, when you see the gap between them and Everton in 16th, what we talk, same for Burnley as well, seven points. Yeah. That's, that's a huge gap to be trying to, you know, trying to call back. I would only, I would say this though, for the three teams that got promoted that are struggling, Bournemouth are just as bad. Yeah. As the three yeah. teams. And already, I would say you are looking at three out of those four teams to be yeah, going down. And Luton are probably the surprise out of the three. They are doing the better. They've managed to draw three games and win one, whereas the other two uh, are, are one win, one draw. So the style of football that Sheffield United and Burnley play is just, just not great. And it's not, yeah. it's not. Premier League standard football that they're playing and this isn't no. me having a dig at them this is me I think being realistic and saying that they you know the sort of defensive approach that they're especially Burnley Sheffield United are a bit more attacking I would say I would say that the style of football that Burnley playing it seems to be completely different to what they were playing in the championship last season yeah they were known for playing sort of good High pressure yeah. attacking football, and, just, and it does it does seem to have changed. But yeah, whether it's just the players can't, they're just unable to play that sort of style in the Confident, Premier League. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think both of you know whether it's only a couple goal difference between them both, but both struggling. Yeah, I think um, like you say, Luton have probably surprised people a little bit more. I think just generally because. They look a little bit more solid. They they tend to be in games. You know, Burnley and Sheffield United have both been losing quite heavily. Um, obviously, Sheffield United's big loss was to Newcastle. Um, Newcastle will get some big results against teams this season, so I think they can write that one off. But even in games against sort of mid-table teams at the bottom, like teams around them, Sheffield United, if they've lost, it's been, you know, three or four goals conceded like you say so I think Luton have done a little bit better there they tend to be losing games by you know the odd one or two goal here and there and I think they can certainly improve they we we sort of criticised them didn't we at the start of the season their transfer policy was (coughs) sort of there wasn't much Premier League experience with the the players that they bought in and I don't know whether they've sort of realised that a little bit. They brought in Nakamba, and I know he's played a bit of Premier League football for us, but he was never really like a first-team starter. Mm. But he had a bit of experience. But other than that, there wasn't really anyone. And they brought in Andros Townsend now, so I think maybe there's, yeah. you know, that he's, he's a good head to have in the dressing room. And he's done he's all right with a few, so. yeah, with a few minutes that he's played so far. 
Um, I think he started his first game for them this weekend. Um, so I think he'll be he'll be quite important for them. Well, yeah, what I watched I watched the game on um, on Sunday, and I thought they were they were really unlucky not to yeah. put the three points there. To be honest with you, Liverpool seemed very very low on confidence. To be honest with you, and they were really struggling to find a way to actually break Luton down. And what Luton yeah. did well was that that it it was in the midfield that I thought that Luton were they were winning a lot of the possession through the midfield and they were they looked confident on the ball. I mm. mean when they were passing it it wasn't sort of ball over the top to 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 the striker to try and get they were actually playing some half decent build up play. Um and they were frustrating Liverpool and if they could have held on for an, just another minute Yeah. They probably yeah. Um, and I was begging for them to take it to the corner flag. A few times they had the ball. I thought, just take it into the corner. Yeah. Um, but you know, Liverpool well, I did say, the best. But I quite well, enjoyed the I quite enjoyed the way that they played. If I'm honest. Yeah, and I I think we we sort of we did touch on it at the start of the season. I think Luton and and there's a few clubs that have done this. It was a sort of fairy tale for them to get promoted, wasn't it? Let's let's be honest. They were the 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 small team, like the plucky team that managed to get up from the championship, and this was, you know, them in the big time for the first time in however many years. When you get a team that does that, I think the fans, no matter what this season, they just want to enjoy it. You know, they want to go to as many games as they can. They just want to they want to see their team in the Premier League, get as many wins as they can. And I think when the fans have that, that kind of attitude, they create an atmosphere at home that makes it quite intimidating for anyone visiting. And I think that that might see Luton through this year. We've seen it with, like, Bournemouth did it themselves, didn't they? You know, remember when Bournemouth went from League Two to the Premier League and everyone said that they're never going to survive. This is their one year. And they obviously, like, exceeded all expectations under Eddie Howe. But it was because, I think, it didn't matter if they lost a game no, to no. Liverpool or whoever. Didn't didn't really matter because the fans were always going to be a hundred percent behind the team. And I think Luton are going to have that this season. Sheffield United and Burnley, not so much. And I think it will start getting a little bit um, negative, maybe in the atmosphere at, at, at home games. And I think that that leads a team at the bottom to struggle. Then we look at Everton last season. The fans were really getting on the back of players. They just scraped over the line. Sean Dyche has said it's a little bit happier this this year. And they've been seeing a few better results, and I think they'll be fine this year. But that is the kind of atmosphere that can keep you in a league. So yeah. if the Luton fans get behind them, the, the atmosphere again against Liverpool was really good. So I think if they can continue that, it'll just give the team that added boost. They'll think they can beat anybody at Kenilworth Road. I don't think they're going to be scared of anybody. So, yeah, I think out of the three, they, they've still got the biggest chance to stay up, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, Bournemouth are really... They were terrible last season, Bournemouth, to be fair. Um, yeah. And they they haven't improved. Uh, if not, they've got worse this season. So, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see, but already it it kind of looks like it's going to be three out of those four. 
Yeah, I can't uh, see anyone else being sucked into it. I think, um, yeah, we, we've mentioned Everton, but I think they'll be okay. They're the nearest at the moment. Um, and then you're looking at like Wolves and Nottingham Forest. And I thought Wolves would struggle this season, and I still I, I think they're about where they are going to finish. Um, but I can't. They're, they're miles better than the the four at the bottom, so I think you're probably right. I can't see anyone else being dragged down. Fulham are the only other team that are down there at the moment, I think, yeah. that might want to get a little bit nervous because they just don't seem to be scoring that many. So um, if if there is anybody, I think it would be them that uh, that get uh, dragged into it. But, yeah, I, um, yeah, I think like you, it's going to be three out of those four. It's just... Uh, Going to be a bit of potluck, I think, by the end of the season. When they, you know, especially when they play each other, it's going to be quite a yeah interesting. Um, cool. We're just going to quickly touch on what happened in New uh, in the Newcastle game at the weekend. Oh um, yeah, I mean, Arteta, I think has been has come out and you know he's he's spoken his mind. <laughs> Um, which may or may not get him into trouble. Um, mm. We're going to have to wait on that one. Um, but obviously, it's the 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 VAR. It's the decisions. I think that he's saying. Um, haven't they like written a list of like all the decisions that have gone against them or something? And they're going to submit it. I've heard to I the FA. So, yeah, I think so. It's a bit petty. I mean, I mean <laughs> a lot. A lot of clubs could list a lot of things that VAR has gone against them. So, what did you think of it anyway? Well, he's doubled down on it today as well. He's basically said, yeah, I'm always going to defend my players and I don't see anything wrong with what I said. I think, well, first of all, to describe what happened, everybody thought the ball was going to go out. Then it was debatable as to whether it did go out. Newcastle get the ball in, cross comes in, Gabriel goes flying, ball ends up in the back of the net. VAR then decides, well, we can't really tell whether the ball's gone out or not, so we'll stick with the decision. Then is there a foul on Gabriel at the back? We're going to have a look at that. They decided that there wasn't. Then they had a look at offside. This all took about... Best part of, I think, six or seven minutes, something like that, to look at these three calls. Um, Then they had a look to see if there was an offside, um, which, again, was a bit debatable. Then they didn't decide to look whether it was handball (laughs) on Joe Linton, which looked a bit debatable again, because it looked like it did hit his arm from a couple of angles, but maybe not so much from other angles. There was about four reasons why this goal might not have been given. And I think for Arsenal to have been... Well, I think for the decision to have been that all four are OK, I think Arsenal are very unlucky. I think the ball probably is in. Um, I think it's in. I, I think the ball yeah, is Yeah, I think that's in. fair. I think that I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But then after that, you can clearly see his hand on the back of Gabriel's neck sort of pushes into him. Me, then I think it hits his arm. And then as for offside... I don't actually know because it's sort of like he's level with his own player um, and the ball kind of goes backwards, so I don't know. Yeah, and the, key, the keeper's a... out as well, which makes yeah. it always makes it difficult because then you're reliant on like two defenders being behind. But I think it's a foul 
And I, think, I thought it was a foul, and I think yeah. it was handball as well. Yeah. So I think they are unlucky, Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I, I would say at least two out of the four decisions did go did go yeah. against. I, I don't. It's, it's hard to tell whether it did go out or not, but I would say from the angles that I've seen, it's probably just just in. But I, I, I thought it was a foul when I saw the the replay. I thought I personally thought they were going to disallow the goal. I was yes, yeah, so almost hundred percent thinking. When I look at all these different things, I'm thinking, short. That's a. It looked like a, if a, I thought if that was anywhere else in the pitch, I thought that would. Yeah, he, jumped, so, he jumps and he puts both arms yeah, on it's, Gabriel's it's, it's, neck to stop him from jumping. Yeah, for me, yeah. I mean, it's it's a soft one, but it's it, soft. It, it's stopping him from making an attempt to play the ball. The, yeah, he can't get the ball. So I yeah, mean, yeah, it's one of those. If you're a Newcastle fan. You're gonna think, wow, it's a bit soft, you know. The handball, can he get his hands out the way? It's, it, it's, it's so. Yeah. It's, 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 oh yeah. Um, I thought they were unlucky, and but to be fair, Newcastle did play quite well. They did. Um, they did play well. It actually livened up a pretty dull game. Um, it yeah. was pretty boring to that point, but they re- they stifled Arsenal really well going forward. They defended again incredibly well. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I, when, I, when I watch Arsenal I just don't think they're that good at going forward yeah they, I think they need a striker I do think and I think they mentioned it on match of the day yeah. um, I know Nketi has had a few goals recently but I think it's they not, need it's not someone. quality that they need especially yeah. for Europe it's not Jesus just seems to be injured all the time I, yeah. I still don't think Jesus is an out and out striker no I think he needs to be up Top with somebody. He needs, um, he needs someone there because yeah. he's not. He has got a bit of pace and a bit of skill, but I, I don't think he's like the complete package up front. No. And Havertz is still a mystery to me where where <laughs> yeah. you play Havertz. I, I, yeah, he didn't have a great game. No, but uh, yeah, I, I thought they were unlucky, but I think Arteta is probably taking this a bit too far. <laughs> Yeah. Let he, it go, he, mate. He is going to get himself fined yeah. and banned if he keep, if he keeps us up. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah, anyway, that is the end of part one. We're back in part two where Liam's got a quiz, some wonders are white, and who am I? Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. Uh, we're going to go in with some Wonders of White, Liam. Yes. Uh, now, I did promise you a forest one. Yeah. Um, so here it is. Uh, Nottingham Forest have only lost two of their last 20 home games in the Premier League. Did, they, did you know this? I they didn't know drawn, this, no. But... Yeah, I mean, they've won nine and drawn nine. Um, since the start of October 2022, only Manchester City and Liverpool have lost fewer home games in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, based on the performance from yesterday, well, the day before, um, I've got to say, yeah, they looked really well organised at home. Not surprised now. But no, I didn't know that before. That is news to me. Uh, 
So since the start of the 21-22 season, Christian Romero has been sent off four times in all competitions for Tottenham. And it could have been, and it could have been twice yesterday. A, a, ridiculous, really. Yeah. Uh, so in last night's match between Tottenham and Chelsea, the ball was in play for just 43% of the total match time. Um, so f- of it was in play 47 minutes 57 seconds of the 111 minutes and 15 seconds that were played. Wow, that's the lowest percentage of any Premier League game for the last two seasons. And we still crammed in so much action. <laughs> yeah. And the last but not least, uh, so this is actually a percentage table of match time in which Premier League teams have been ahead this season. Uh, Manchester City top this with uh, 47.9% um, percentage of match time that they've been winning. So that's nearly more than half. So Newcastle 47.3 in second. Um, but the real reason they did this was because Manchester United off fourth from bottom. Uh, 15.8%. Um, oh. Which isn't great and Sheffield United have the worst of 4.5% uh, yeah. Villa of 35.9 Chelsea of 31.4 West Ham are actually fourth on this table as well 38.9 they're actually just the 1% behind Liverpool but uh, only 15% of match time that Man United have been ahead yeah, says it all about this season, really, for them, doesn't it? Yeah. Burnley have actually got more than them. They're just wow. above 16.2. Yeah. So all the late winners. Yeah. Cool. Uh, quiz time. Yes. Quiz, quiz, quiz. Right. This time we've got a classic odd one out quiz. Ooh, um, so I'm just going to read 10 statements and you have to tell me who or what team doesn't fit the criteria of the statement. So, are you ready for question number one? I am ready. So, question number one is, players with 100 international caps or more, your four choices are Damien Duff, Daly Blind, Gary Neville and Robinho. So, one of those players doesn't have 100 caps, the other three Uh, do. Damien Duff, now he was more than likely playing every Republic of Ireland game. Are we talking Robinho as in the guy that thought he was signing for Manchester United but actually ended up signing for Man City? That very same Robinho, yes. The guy who just wore gloves no matter what the weather was. And like to throw a strop if he was on the bench. Um, uh, he would have played a lot of games from Brazil because he was actually a fairly decent player. Uh, I kind of feel like Daily Blend would have played a lot for. I'm I'm torn because I now think it's between Duff and Neville and after what I just said about David Duff as well. I'm gonna say I I'm just gonna go I'm gonna say David Duff. 
It was the other one, I'm afraid. Going it was Gary in. Neville. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I don't actually know how many caps he's got, but yeah, um, all the other three are over 100. Um, Robinho was the one that surprised me because I knew he'd played a lot for Brazil, but I didn't realise it was that much. Um, so I not think, a great I, start. I think he had played a lot before he actually came to, to, to England. I think that yeah. might have been what it was. Um, yeah, not not an, not an amazing start, but they they the questions some are a bit easier. Some yeah, are yeah. Um, so don't worry too much. So number two, clubs that have won the Champions League. So your four choices are Atletico Madrid, Benfica, Borussia Dortmund, and Feyenoord. All very good teams. All very good teams. Now, I'm almost certain that Benfica have won it, so I'm going to eliminate them. I know that Feyenoord, I think, have won it as well, so now I'm torn between Dortmund. Who was the other one? Dortmund and Atletico Madrid. I don't. I don't. Yeah, Atletico Madrid haven't won it. Correct. They haven't. Indeed. Yes, you're right. Benfica won it under with Eusebio, I think, um, many many years ago. Yeah, Why not? Benfica right, was probably sixties because I'm pretty sure seventies yeah. was Ajax won it as well, didn't they? A few times, I think. So yeah. And, uh, and Borussia Dortmund won it with a certain Paul Lambert in centre midfield. Um, that in, was in the nineties. Yeah, somewhere around then. Um, so yeah, well done. I'm just going to mark you down as a point there. Uh, question number three. Uh, this one's a little bit difficult, but I think you'll have a good go at this. So players that have scored a Premier League hat trick. Your choices are Craig Bellamy, Mason Mount. Peter Crouch and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. One of those hasn't scored a Premier League hat-trick and the other three have. That's a good question. I thought this one was pretty difficult, but then I thought, you'd probably know if one of those players had scored a hat-trick and possibly if two of them have, as they did both play for Chelsea. Um, but I don't know whether their hat-tricks did come for Chelsea if they did score one. Hmm. I just think for longevity, I think Bellamy would have probably got a hat-trick. I am going to say... Crouch. Incorrect, I'm afraid. It was Craig Bellamy. He's never scored a Premier League hat-trick, and the other three have. I'm assuming Mason Matt was for Chelsea. Yeah, no, Um, yeah, no, he did. It was last, not last season, season before, under Lampard. Right. So, yeah, um, Mason Matt obviously for Chelsea, Aubameyang for Arsenal, and Peter Crouch got one for Liverpool, I think. Or it might have been Southampton. Not too sure. Um, Question number four. 
members of France's 2002 World Cup squad. Lovely. Blast from the past here, trip down memory lanes. So your well, four choices they didn't are... Last, they didn't last very long. <laughs> they didn't last very long, no. Three games and out. So your four choices are David Trezeguet, Jibril Cisse, Emmanuel Petit and Robert Perez. Who was the first one? Sorry? Uh, David Trezeguet. So one of those four didn't go to the 2002 World Cup. Now, I'm almost certain that... So it was Cissé, Petit, Trezeguet... And Pires. And this one's probably quite a difficult one, so what I'm going to do is... I'm going to just no, mention... No, I actually, I'm not... I'm... Are you confident? I... I'm going to go with Perez as the old one out on this one. Correct. It is indeed Robert because Perez. Because I, I, remem- I remember Cissé playing. Trezeguet played many games Trezeguet would have would have been there because it would have been him and Henri would have been yeah. the strikers with Cissé. Yeah, and I, I, rem- I remember yeah, Petit in the game against Senegal. Um, I just, yeah, it, in that kit. Do you know the 2002 kit? And it's yeah, like yeah. it's quite a like a classic French one. Yeah, so well done. Two out of four so far. Question number five. You'll enjoy this because we spoke about it a few weeks ago. Scottish mm-hmm. title winners. I know how much you love Scottish football. So your four choices are Dundee... Dundee United. No, I'm not going to give you the not going to give you the two obvious ones. No, you got Dundee, Dundee United, Saint Mirren, and Kilmarnock. One of them hasn't won the so Scottish Dundee, title. Dundee United, Saint Mirren, and Saint Kilmarnock. I'm trying to remember the conversation we had. Yeah, I, I did include a Scottish quiz not so long ago. And this this was actually part of it, I think. Yeah. We did run, we did run through the title winners. Because there was a, a a team that had won it, wasn't it? And, but they're no longer. Yeah. Um, but if my memory serves, serves me right, I believe Dundee and Dundee United both did win. As did Kilmarnock, so I am saying the other one out is St Mirren. Correct, you are right. St Mirren haven't won the Scottish title, but the other three definitely, definitely have. I do, I do listen. I do remember. Well done. Now I'm proud <laughs> of you. Um, question number six uh, is: Players bought in Abu Dhabi's first full season in control of Man City. Um, thought you'd like this one. So this is basically players that were bought in the 2009-10 season for Man City. Uh, three of them were, one of them wasn't. So your players are Gareth Barry, Edin Dzeko, Patrick Vieira, or Carlos Tevez. Oh, blimey. Blimey, blimey, blimey. Cast your mind back. Go, f- go through the four again. Uh, Gareth Barry, Edin Dzeko, Patrick Vieira, or Carlos Tevez. I'm almost certain Tevez was one of them. 
he was sort of the focal point with him and Adam Bior. And I swear we've spoken about Patrick Vieira being at that Man City team as well before. We, we, we may have done a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that leaves me with Gareth Barry. Who was the other one? Edin Dzeko. Uh, I don't think that if they if they bought Adebayor and Carlos Tevez, I don't think they would have bought Edin Dzeko as well. That's if Adebayor was the same season. All I've got now is Adebayor scoring a goal against <laughs> Arsenal when we left the pitch. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with just because I think Adebayor and Tevez were their two strikers that season. I don't think Dzeko was until maybe at least two or three seasons after. So I'll go with Dzeko. Hey, oh, Co- oh, yeah, you've already said. <laughs> yeah, gonna say oh, you are correct. Yeah, Ed and Dzeko. I forgot about Gareth Barry. Then I was like, yeah, no, I'm you're, you're... he signed from Villa then, didn't he? That... He did. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he he could have gone for um, he could have gone to Liverpool, I think, a year or so earlier, and didn't, Ooh. and then went to Man City. Uh, when all their money came in, yeah. Eddie Jacko was uh, a couple of years after. But I don't know whether they did have Adebayor, but they certainly had Tevez. And they had Robinho, actually, as well, um, at the time, just because we mentioned him earlier. Um, they have... Um, they had someone else as well. I've forgotten his name now. Joe, uh, was it Joe? Was yes, Joe he did. Uh, or was he pre-money? Um, he did play for them. I'm just going to have a look. Um, because I've Didn't he closed... also have Ben Johnny as well? He did, yeah. He played for them for a while. He was before money, I think. Um, so the transfers in were... Oh, yeah, there is a, another striker on here that none of us have said. Uh, you were right with Adebayor, by the way. He Who came was in. That year, was he, he, he was the same price as Carlos Tevez. How many strikers could they have bought for their Tevez, Adebayor... Joe. There, there was another one. See if, this is not part of the quiz, but see if you can guess the other one. He did play for them, actually, quite a lot. Um, well, I say quite a lot, actually. No, he didn't. He's more known for playing for another team in England. What team might that be? Uh, that team might be um, Blackburn Rovers. Oh. Oh. Um, the uh, Santa Cruz. Rocky yes, Santa Rocky yeah. Santa Cruz. Yeah. £18 million they paid for him, and they paid for £25 million for Adebayor and Tevez. I mean, just, just for him to score against Arsenal and run the help for the full length of the pitch, I think he, they got their yeah. money's worth for him on that one. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they sold Darius Vassell that season as well. Um, oh, what a shame. Step down, going from Vassell to Tevez. Um, anyway, so yes, you're right, and I've lost track of how many you've got right now but I think it's four out of six. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. we're going to go along with that. So question oh, number seven. A little bit, little bit tougher now. Uh, players who have scored in the top four English divisions. Lovely. Your four choices are Steve Claridge, Steve Finnan, Billy Sharp, and David Nugent. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Steve Claridge has probably played for every team. In yes, the yeah. Um, yeah, every single one of them. I I literally have no idea. I um, 
I'm just going to go with Dave Nugent. I have no idea. Correct. You are absolutely right. That was 100% guess. Yeah, David Nugent has never scored in League One. He's a one Um, cap. He's a one-cap as well. He is, is a one-capper, yeah. Um, yeah, Billy Sharp, um, again, has played for just about every team in the league. But Steve Finnan was an odd one. Um, but he has scored in I totally the top, about Steve in the <laughs> the top yeah. four. Yeah, in, um, I think a couple for Fulham and Liverpool, and then I don't know who he scored for in League Two. But Steve, anyway. Steve has literally has. We couldn't do who am I on Steve Clarence no, because we'd take too long. Take a whole episode. Uh, so well done. Five out of seven. Question number eight. Clubs that have won the top three tiers of English football. Mm. Your choices are Manchester City, Aston Villa, of course, Leicester City, and Portsmouth. This is all time, by the way, and this is not uh, since yeah, the Premier I was League. About to say, I was about to say, because it would have yeah. been a bit, be fairly straightforward. Yeah, because we haven't won anything since the Premier League has been, um, I has been created. Say, I have no idea, so I'm going to take another shot in the dark, and I'm just going to say Man City. Correct. Well done. Your guesses are, are doing you good tonight. That again was a straight guess. Six out of there's eight. No way, there's no way you would have put Villa in there if they were the... Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. So. Not a chance. Um, question nine is even more obscure. Um, I know you enjoy that. Teams that have won the EFL trophy. So three of these haven't, one of these... Uh, sorry, three of these have, one of these haven't. Uh, your four teams are Birmingham City, Blackburn Rovers, Swansea City and Luton Town. The EFL Trophy. Um, Just because we mentioned it last week, I think, or it might have been the week before, but when it was called the LDV Vans, the the Johnson's Paint, the Papa John's, yeah. I am going to go with Birmingham. Incorrect. As much as I would have loved to have included them because they hadn't won it, Um, they did win it. Um, The one they haven't is Blackburn Rovers. Oh, yeah, I suppose... Although they have been in League One, haven't they? They have been in League One, um, not so long ago, actually, but no, they've yeah. never won right. the EFL trophy, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, question number 10, this is one for all the Southampton fans out there. Players yeah. who scored in Leicester's 9-0 win over Southampton, <laughs> your four choices are Jamie Vardy, Harvey Barnes, James Madison and Iose Perez. A little bit more recent for you there. You might remember this actually happening. Yeah, I was actually on holiday when this happened. Um, in this country, though. Um, that's I was that's actually, unfortunate. Yeah, I was actually driving to um, an Asda, and uh, they, said, they said that Leicester had won 9-0. Um, sorry, well, Vardy scored a hat-trick, I'm pretty sure. Um, who was the other options? Uh, your other options are Harvey Barnes, James Madison, and Iose Perez. Uh, I'm going to go with Barnes because I think this might have predated Barnes. If we're thinking four or five years ago, it didn't predate Barnes, but you are right. Oh, right. Again, yeah. was, he still, are... was he playing from there? Was he? Didn't Perez score a hat trick as well? Um, sh- shall we? Shall we see? I've still got it open. So yes, Perez got three. Jamie Vardy got three, and then there were goals for James Madison, uh, Yuri Tillemans, and Ben Chilwell. Oh. Harvey Barnes did start, um, but my sources 
well, I say my sources, Google tells me that he was substituted off. Um, oh. But it doesn't say who came on for him. So, yeah, you're right. Three for Paris, so three for Vardy. It could have been because he was having a poor game. <laughs> no, no, they were doing all right, weren't they? Um, it looked, I think Damari Gray might have come on for him. There you go. Um, was it really five years ago now? Four years ago, yeah. yeah. October October 2019. Yeah, I was in Weymouth that day. So, yeah, well done. So seven out of ten. Um, That's pretty good, considering that quite a few of those were genuine and I guesses. And I guessed literally three of them as well. Yeah, so well done. Um, okay, so this week's Who Am I? I can't... I couldn't think of a player, and then all of a sudden, two players randomly popped in my head. Um, so I've got two. Um, you can choose one. I would say one is sort of medium difficulty. One is quite hard. Um, oh, well, I was a bit mean to you on some of those questions, so I think it's only right I'll go for the hard one first. So the hard one is he... Um, He's retired, and he played for Monza, Juventus, Lazio, and Chelsea. Monza, Juventus, Lazio, and then Chelsea. Yeah. So he retired when he was at Chelsea. He did. Monza, Juventus, Lazio. There's not many people that would have gone from Lazio to Chelsea. Um, that's this. Yeah, this is this one is quite a difficult one. Monza, Juventus, Lazio, and Chelsea. Um, there's not. I'll yeah, because you, you've had I'll, a few Italians play for you, yeah. obviously quite quite famously. But it's obviously not Zola, and it's obviously not Viali. I can give you a clue. Okay. He, although he was at Chelsea for two years, he only actually played ten games for Chelsea. Okay. Because he got very injured. Right. In. Okay. This this makes things quite difficult. That is, of course, if he is Italian. I'm just sort of assuming that he is Italian. He is is Italian. Um. The only one I can think he's of scored, we mentioned not so long ago. Yeah. And that was Panucci, I think. I'm going to guess Panucci. I'll be, I'll, before you say Panucci, I'll tell you um, it's not. It's a striker. Oh, OK. Oh. oh is it my um, fav- favourite person from the 1990s? Um, the guy that he's, I can never... A, remember his first name, and B, pronounce his second name. But I'm going to go with Casirai. Pierre-Luigi Casiraghi, yeah. Pierre-Luigi. I can never remember if it's Pietro or... Yeah. yeah. He scored... He played ten games for Chelsea and he scored once. Um, He got a really bad injury when he was at Chelsea. Um, But his goal that he scored... Um, I believe was against Liverpool. Oh, now, big one to score. The second, who am I? Is relate is is connected to that goal. <sighs> okay. Okay. 
<laughs> right. This player, you play for Bradford, Coventry, Liverpool, Tranmere, <laughs> Sporting Lisbon, and Sunderland. Now, the day that Kazaragi scored, something memorable happened in that game to this player. Right. So, um, could could you repeat his clubs for me? So Bradford, it was uh, Bradford, Coventry, right. Liverpool, Tranmere on loan, uh, Sporting Lisbon, and Sunderland. Oh God, that's an eclectic mix of clubs, isn't it? Biggest, the biggest clue I can give you is he was well known for this game because he collided with a certain thing. Uh, yes, I think I remember. Because I was thinking for a a little bit there, Coventry to Liverpool doesn't happen very often, but I can think of a lot of players that went from Liverpool. um, I can think of a lot of players that went in the other direction. Um, like David Thompson and McAllister and people like that. Um, so it's got to be Phil Babb. It's Phil Babb, yeah. Phil Babb colliding <laughs> with the post. Yeah. Yeah. Always gets a smile, really. I mean, I feel for him, I really do. But yeah, it always always gets a laugh every time that that's replayed on TV, which is... Quite a lot. Dozens of he, times he a on, season. He was probably on um, a lot of the uh, blooper videos. Yeah. Um, I would have thought. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, going back to Kazaragi, it, it didn't. Um, it it didn't work. He, it was a cruciate ligament um, that he sustained. Um, it says here with a collision with West Ham goalkeeper Shaka Hislop. Um. He had ten operations um, to try and sort it, um, but he never actually recovered, and Chelsea actually ended up terminating his contract in 2020. Um, He was given an insurance payout by Chelsea. Blimey. Um, It took a a long time to sort that out. He he then did seek legal action against Chelsea (laughs) uh, for unpaid wages uh, after his contract was uh, terminated early. but yeah, he never recovered from that. Um, he has had a fairly up and down sort of managerial um, career as well. So a couple of years after leaving Chelsea, he actually went back to Monza as a, a youth team manager. Um, and then he took over a job at Legnano, um, I think in Italy. Before then being the Italian under-21 coach, manager for four years. Um, he then took four years out of the game and came uh, to Cagliari as an assistant. And then a year later, he joined Al-Arabi as their assistant. And then he actually was assistant at Birmingham City, which is his last job. I mean, that, w- that would put you off football, to be fair. Um oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> just, just being there, Birmingham City. Um, oh, yeah. Harsh. Uh, he did, um, to be fair, um, he played 44 times for Italy, um, but yeah, never really, I guess, recovered from that injury. And I, I, I imagine after 10 operations, I imagine at that point yeah. you've probably got to think that it's probably, uh, it's probably time to... Yeah, uh, to be, it's a shame because he, he, I don't think he was even 30, was he, at the time that that happened? I think he was uh, still sort uh, of late, late, late 20s, still had a few years left. Uh, he was 
so what's that, 2024, 23 years ago, so he was, he was 31. Yeah. When he left Chelsea, and he, the injury he sustained um, was two years prior to that, so he was 29. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so yeah. It was a, a memorable game for, for many reasons. One, yeah. it was his only other goal he scored for Chelsea. And two, Phil Babb scissoring the uh, the goalpost. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, he, and he did. It's uh, yeah, it, it did always come up on the uh, sort of own goals and gas videos that you used to get um, as a kid. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise he went to sport in Lisbon. I do vaguely remember him playing for Sunderland, but. Yeah, that's where he went after. Um, let's have a look. After colliding yeah. with the post, it was too. Yeah, they got too much for him, so he had to uh, leave. Um, feel bad. So let's see what happened. I mean, he wasn't much he, of a goal-scoring defender. Let's just say that um, he actually scored 18 goals in 374 games. He scored one goal for Liverpool in 128 appearances. So it says here that um, in January 2000 he joined Tranmere on loan. He moved to Portugal on a free transfer in 2000. He played 38 official games. Um, He actually scored in a UEFA Cup game against Matailand. He ended his career at 33 with Sunderland after they got relegated. Um, Again, that's enough. That's enough to finish you off in in a football Uh, career. He did. He did have a brief managerial career for two years in 2013 to 2015 with Hazen Yedding United (laughs) South. That's fair enough. I mean, I don't know how that happens, but yeah, he was a solid Uh, defender back in the day. And. in 2006, he was an, he became an investor in the Golf Punk magazine, um, alongside okay. Sunderland teammates Michael Gray, Jason McAteer, Thomas Sorensen, and Stephen Wright. Um, they actually saved the magazine from closure. There you go. One honour many man. talents. Yeah, many talents, and um, yeah. It do, to be fair, it doesn't mention that this. Oh, here we go. No, it does mention the. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah. uh, in 1998, Bab was involved in an infamous blooper against Chelsea, which ended him sliding into the goalpost with a leg either side, injuring his coccyx. So he actually got injured from it. Yes, as well. he did. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. Um, I do remember hearing that he was actually quite badly hurt after that. So, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, Phil, for laughing. Um, I'm sure we're not the only people. Yeah. I mean, it is on every blooper video that you, you can yeah. watch. If you haven't seen it, I mean, just just go on to YouTube and just put Phil Babb in. I'm pretty sure the first thing that, that will, yeah, will, that will be, be it. Scissoring the goalpost. Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, anything else, Liam? I just hope for better from from Villa next week. Um, uh, we have uh, Fulham next, actually next week, um, okay. and hopeful for more games of a similar quality to the Chelsea Spurs game. I maybe less know. people on the halfway yeah, line. Maybe let's not involve uh, Chelsea this time, so I can yeah. just relax a little bit more. Um, and there's a national break, isn't it? After that. Yeah. Again. It's all, 
England playing two games that they don't even need to play because they're already qualified, but never mind. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, and we'll be back next week.